Listeners, start your engines. Detours episode 31. Rob here. On this episode, film critic Dee Dee Crimmins joins us to discuss 2011's The Muppets, the legacy sequel which marked Kermit and Company's return to theaters after 12 years. As always, you can find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and other podcatchers, as well as crookedtable.com. Go ahead and give us a rating or review wherever you're listening to this episode. And for now, let's listen to a little bit of the trailer and then jump into our conversation about The Muppets 2011. We're trying to get the old gang back together again. We haven't done this in a long time. Your fans never left you? The world hasn't forgotten? Sure, it's impossible, but we've got to try. It's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. It's time to meet the Muppets. Come on, guys, let's go! Wow. I can't believe we're all back together. Yeah! Sorry. I was super excited. The Muppets have always been about artistic integrity, not cheap tricks. Check it out. Fart shoes! This is going to be a really short movie. What's that over there? The what? Hi-ya! Ow. Throw me over. I think that's an electric fence. It's an electric fence. Welcome to Franchise Detours, where we believe no movie series travels in a straight line. On this episode, we are continuing through the Muppet movie franchise on to the seventh installment of the eight theatrical Muppet films. This episode, we're going to be talking about 2011's The Muppets, and I am honored to welcome to the show Dee Dee Crimmins. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Let's talk about Muppets. I know, right? I know. Every time I do one of these episodes, I'm like, I get to talk about Muppets for the next hour. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, so tell people uh, tell people who you are and everything you have going on in the world. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I'm Dee Dee Crimmins. I am a film critic. Um, what do I do? I usually write about horror films and I just wrapped up some coverage of the Fantasia Film Festival. Um, nice. But I'm, you know, I like talking about movies and I don't know. <laughs> just like a generalized <laughs> film nerd basically um and i am life lifelong muppets fan so there is that uh, uh, there is always that yeah i think the cross-section of muppet fans and cinephiles i'm starting to realize is basically a, a complete circle I think exactly. <laughs> because these characters have been around so long and permeated so many generations of entertainment i mean this is a 35 year movie career just from 1979's The Muppet Movie to 2014's Muppets Most Wanted. Uh, obviously, they, they existed. Kermit especially existed long before that. The Muppets are continuing on with new projects all the time. So it's like uh, it, they're, the way that they not only serve as like a commentary of Hollywood, but also it's just self-reflexive on the industry itself, I think, is, yeah. is, really, is really interesting. As well as this movie, 
which we'll get into, uh, this movie kind of falling into the whole legacy sequel slash requel trend uh, just a few years before Star Wars and Creed and all these other, you know, <laughs> before Jurassic World, because that was the thing, right? It was 2015. We had The Force Awakens, Creed and uh, Jurassic World all the same year. So it was like the year of the requel or legacy sequel, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. And this predated that by a few years. So the Muppets are, as usual, ahead of the curve. Um, but before we get into this particular film, what what was your introduction to these characters? Because I'm, I'm finding... You know, everybody has their their own different entry point, and I think it's a, it's always interesting to find out. Like, okay, what was your what was your initial impression of the Muppets? Oh man, I've never not had the Muppets in my life, like my entire life. Um, like we used to watch. I was born in the early '80s, so like we used yeah, to watch um, Muppet Show a lot. I don't know if it was I don't it wasn't on anymore, but like so, it had to have been on like Nickelodeon or something. But yeah, I watched that a lot. I loved that show. All the movies growing up, like. Loved it. Um, my mom is really into science fiction, and I grew up going to science fiction conventions, which is not the case for a lot of people, I found, <laughs> even though there were definitely other kids there. I don't know where they went. Um, but, like, we have memories of, like, going to a world con when my sister and I were, like, you know, probably two or three. So I don't have memories. Everyone's relayed this story to me. And, like, Jim Henson was there with one of the original cards oh, wow. that was made out of, like, an army blanket just talking to kids. So. Like it's never not been an op- it's never been an option for me not to like them, and I'm totally okay with it. Like, yeah, I I just freaking love them so much. Um, yeah, yeah, and like my dad's not big into movies at all, despite being with my mother. Um, and like he always loves Emmett Otter's Drug Band Christmas, so I'm just like it's just kind of coming at me from all sides of my childhood and my throughout my adulthood. Yeah, I was born in '83, so you know I was on the tail end of the, like the last generation that remembers Jim Henson's Kermit first and not Steve Whitmire's. But the cool thing about them is that they have had so many projects that, you know, between the movies and the shows and the specials and the, you know, the, the, uh, the sing-along video cassettes that we had definitely, I think we might've had both of them uh, <laughs> or at least a couple of them as a kid uh, because my, my brother was born in 1991. So I basically, I basically experienced all the stuff for the early eighties and the early nineties because I threw him. So Barney and friends was on a lot and all that kind of stuff in my household, (laughs) which now looking back, I'm like, Oh, that was like borderline child abuse. (laughs) Um, Meanwhile, the Muppets, I feel like it's, it's part of a, a, uh, it's part of a well-balanced pop culture diet for, for any young person or, or older person. But I mean, I feel like the earlier you introduce people to the Muppets, it's kind of the better, I don't know, the better, I don't want to say the better they turn out to be necessarily, but like, but, but, you know, there's something as, as I think I'm sure you'll agree, there's something special about these characters and not only who they are, but also like the themes and what they represent. And this movie touches on a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That was a good segue there, but I'm going to interrupt you. Like, um, so one thing I like about horror films, one of the many things I like about horror films is you can just always be like, so what movie scared you as a kid? And everyone always has a story about like a movie they saw way too early and how it was terrified and, you know, they had to check under their bed. And I love that cultural sharing that we can do. And I feel like, like if you ask people at the Muppets, they're never going to be like, "Eh, I don't know. (laughs) That's just not a reaction you get. Like you can be like, who's your favorite Muppet? Which is your favorite Muppet movie? Like it's just something that is collective in pop culture, especially like living in the U S like, and I don't know, that's nice. You can just sit down and talk to anybody you want and you can be like, so Muppets. And it's like, Oh, okay. There's a conversation coming out of this. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, uh, the, the, you see like, uh, you know, the Zodiac calendar, according to Muppets, or he's like, <laughs> which Muppet character are you? That kind of thing. You see quizzes like that all the time. And there's, there's yeah. a student, sort of universality to to the Muppets that they, they have so much, uh, there's so much imbued in this one property that there's an entry point for pretty much everyone. Like if you love puppetry or practical effects or a certain kind of comedy or a different kind of comedy, like, or, you know, wholesome messages or whatever, whatever you're looking for, like the Muppets have it. Uh, there's a, a past and future guest of this show, Lauren Carey, who has a, the Beard Owl podcast and she's been wearing <laughs> Weird Owl shirts every day for over a year. And she's, she's often shares on Twitter about the, you know, the conversation she has with people because they just sort of bring out that joy. Weird Al brings that, that joy out of, people. And I think the Muppets have sort of a similar, a similar vibe. And so I, I've even joked with her on one episode, like, I think I need to start a collection of Muppet shirts and just see what happens when I go to Starbucks, <laughs> like what kind of conversations I get into. Oh, that would be awesome. I only have one Muppet shirt and I wear it when I'm at science fiction conventions speaking on, um, usually there's like some sort of movie critic, like your interview yeah. panel and it has Stotler and Waldorf and it just says haters going to hate. And I'm like, this is the nice. perfect shirt for like being a film critic. No, and and if you go on, if you're a pop culture junkie like we are, and you go, if you go on like T Public or sites like yeah. that, there's so many. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna lose all my money. Is gonna go to Muppet shirts if I'm not careful. Like I have to be very, <laughs> very strategic about this. There's one of the first ones I saw. It's just a picture of uh, animal, and it says emotional support animal, and I'm like, <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, I man. might, I might have to. By the time people hear this episode, maybe I'll, I'll own that shirt. I don't know. We'll see. So you've just talked um, yourself into spending your retirement. <laughs> I think I did. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I have a family to support, Didi. I can't. I can't be doing this kind of thing all the time. Um, so, so when Muppets 2011 came along, uh, you know, it had been 12 years since Muppets from Muppets from Space, which didn't do as well at the box office. Didn't do as well with critics. I don't. I think it's generally one of the less, you know, the undervalued one. I, I, I don't know. I kind of enjoy that movie. I don't love it, but I. It's not top of the Muppet pantheon, but I don't think it's 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 no Muppets Wizard of Oz or anything like that. You know, oh, I think I it's it's solid. It. I love it. Are you kidding me? You Gon- love Muppets from Space? Gonzo and funk music? Like what where do I need? I know. Life? I know. Well, I'm general I was just speaking in generalities because a lot of people it's I either maybe it's underseen. Maybe that's part of it as well. Because yeah. on the Muppets Take Manhattan episode, my guests and I were talking about how that movie always ranks on the lower end for a lot of Muppet fans. And I feel like it's because it, you can't find it anywhere. It's on Tubi, I think. And that's about that's about it. It's not on Disney Plus or any of that. So maybe Muppets from Space, the other Sony Muppet movie that's not on Disney Plus, maybe that's suffering from sort of the same deal. Oh, maybe. I didn't even realize that. I have it on DVD and that's what I watch it off of. I've yeah, never, so so I've never had to go look for it. Weird. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, exactly. it's not a, I mean, we're not talking about that one, but like, it's not a musical yeah. in the traditional, like there's a lot of music, but like, right. there's not like musical numbers and that sort of stuff. But like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like, I love it. <laughs> it's a, it's a Gonzo story, first of all. So I mean, yeah. already, you know, Gonzo, I think, if not everyone's favorite non-Kermit Muppet, close, to, definitely <laughs> close, up there. Close, I do have a and Gonzo tattoo, it, but yeah. <laughs> see, see, there you go. I love Gonzo. Um, so that I think it's, you know, we're not talking about Muppets from Space, but I think it's worth bringing up because that's where this franchise was at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at a certain point, I think 2004, Disney purchased the Muppets essentially outright. They worked with them before, obviously, with Muppet Christmas Carol and Treasure Island and things like that. Uh, so this was sort of the uh, the relaunch of this franchise o- over a decade later. 
going to this from Muppets from, from Muppets from Space. I don't know why that's such a mouthful for me right now. <laughs> what uh, what what do you think makes a Muppet movie, and does this does this film recapture the magic? Oh my God, it so recaptures the magic. So I think I mean first like. I guess the Muppets are what you make of them. Like, I think any Muppet movie has to have the Muppets in it. And I think well, that that's it, a good, good <laughs> it's really basic, but like, I'm just like, they can do whatever they want. Like it can be weird sci-fi, like Muppets from space. Like, it's not like they're constrained by a genre or even specific characters. Though there are like everyday people we def- or everyday Muppets we definitely want to see and get to know a little bit better or revisit their relationships and all that sort of stuff. But like, if they were to make a Muppet movie without Kermit, like I'd, I'd still be interested in watching it. And like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of recapturing it, like, here's my thing about the Muppets. Like the thing, the Muppets. You know, I feel like I need to be like the Muppets, like the movie versus like the Muppets, like the, <laughs> the existence of these friends. Um, well, that's why on every message, every DM about this episode, I'm like, the Muppet, we're still talking, the Muppets 2011, because you have to be very, <laughs> there's the show that came out a few years later, which is also called the Muppets. It's like, we have to differentiate a little more than that. Yeah. They were initially going to call this the greatest Muppet movie ever made or something like that. And I'm like, ah, that's a little, that's bold. I don't know. Let's, let's not, let's not go that far. The Muppet <laughs> movie still exists, everybody. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. But like, I don't know. It's, this is why we capitalize titles on Twitter. So people know what the hell You're we're right. talking about. Um, but like, my thing about the Muppets is like, I've written a lot about them surprisingly. Um, Cause I, I write about blood and guts usually <laughs> like viscera. Yeah. Um, but um, the thing about the Muppets is we love seeing them get back together. Like the Muppet movie came out after the, um, uh, the Muppet show had been away for a few years. Like we didn't need to see their origin story cause they could have done anything, but we wanted to see them get the gang together. And then in Muppets take mm-hmm. Manhattan, Definitely the best part is getting the gang back together. So I think it's so smart of them to be like, we're going to, you know, quasi relaunch this, the Muppets within the cinematic sphere and do like a big um, release. Let's get the gang back together. And like the fact that this is like the approach for it kind of makes sense. It's very heartbreaking in the beginning to see them not together as it is in like Muppets Take Manhattan when they like are broken apart. I'm so glad you brought, brought that up. I went on a whole tangent about how of how distraught even now watching Muppets Take Manhattan that saying goodbye sequences, especially when you bear in mind that's that was Jim Henson's final movie as Kermit. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you kind of think of it in that regards. It's even even more heartbreaking. Oh, it's so but yeah, no, I same same thing here. Like I, you know, we're kind of I, I feel like I interrupted you. Do you want to come back to where you were first? I can go on and on. But um, yeah, and it's like, <laughs> oh my God, there's like so many moments like in the Muppet movie, which again is not the movie we're talking about, but like it's hard not to bring up every movie that came before this know, in right? the context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's like that moment where, like, I don't know, my sister and I quote it nearly constantly. <laughs> we quote a lot of Muppet movies nearly constantly. Um, Love it. But like, we'll just be like, if someone's like asleep, she and I will be like, "How did they do it?" Like, just like Foxy, <laughs> like so. Yeah, yeah. There's like all these wonderful moments that we get out of them each doing their own thing, but ultimately, like. We love to see them get together. We love to see them you know, yeah. literally get the band back together when it comes to the, you know, Dr. Teeth. But um, yeah, yeah. So I think that within that, I guess I'm kind of like very slowly circling back to your question. Like that's ma- one of the reasons that I think this is such a successful Muppet movie in my mind. I mean, I don't think right. it's perfect. And I was talking to a friend recently and he kind of helped me like wrap my mind around that. But um. Mm it's great. Like, it's just like, we want to see them get together and have like squishy feelings and do some reminiscing and make new memories. And they do all of that here. 
It's it's interesting this franchise because it's it there's no really sense of continuity. There's no canon of this franchise, you know. Oh, yeah. There's uh the first we launched we launched this podcast with the Child's Play franchise, speaking of horror, <laughs> which I feel like there's a big overlap again with people that are that are really into horror films and people that are really into Muppet films because of the practical effects and sort of the like the ingenuity involved on the technical side of it, you know, uh, the makeup effects in a horror film and then, you know, the puppetry involved here. I think there's a lot of commonalities there as well. But there's no, even Chucky's story as sort of haphazard as it's, as it sort of goes, the chance to, to, get his soul back. It like changes every movie. It's like, sometimes it's one line. Sometimes it's a whole spiel that he has to go on. Sometimes there's an amulet. Sometimes you don't need that. It's very all over the place, but it, it's still a continuity. The stories continue from one to the other for this franchise. This is the seventh movie. Maybe the, maybe the fourth iteration of this franchise to an extent, because you have the, the, the Muppet movie where it's how the origin story, how they all got together. The Great Muppet Caper, which is them playing different characters. <laughs> also just, just with the same names. Like they're not the Kermit we know. Kermit's the, uh, Kermit and Fozzie are reporters and for the Daily Chronicle. It has nothing, you know, they're not and they're, the Muppets. They're twins, aren't they? Yeah, of course, of course. Which is a gag, now that you mentioned it, that they sort of double down on in this movie with Walter and Gary, mm-hmm. which I think is is a really fun kind of sort of homage back to that, to that bit. Uh, and then, you know, Muppets take Manhattan. They're again, kind of the Muppets is sort of again in an origin story of how they came to be to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they're in literary adaptations and then they're the, the Muppets from space movie. And then now they relaunch it here where they're again, the Muppets existing in our world. So it's, there's no, <laughs> there's no sort of, there's not really, as you were saying, not really a genre. There's not even really sort of a continuing story from movie to movie. It's more of a, a character, a tonal thing, I think, yeah. that, that these movies have to nail. There's sort of that anarchic spirit uh, and I guess the wholesomeness of these, these characters, but within that same sort of out of control, you know, they have to have that wild side, I think, in play. Yeah, yeah. And like they always, like in, ter- in terms, terms of commonalities, like they always break the fourth wall. They always have these like really wonderful throwaway jokes that just kind of come out of nowhere. Like there are thing, a lot of things that are in common that make them feel common. But like if we're doing like, I don't know, a list or a Venn diagram, it's, it's harder to suss out specifics like that. I think other franchises would be easy to suss out. It's like Nightmare on Elm Street has, you know, Freddy done. Like that's not as cut and dry yeah. here. No, not at all. I mean, we, we get, even in some of the movies you get like, some of the main Muppets enter the story way later in the, especially in the uh, treasure Island, you know, piggy enters over an hour into that movie. And here we get piggy comes in a little bit later in dramatic fashion. Cause that's, that's her way. Uh, <laughs> we wouldn't expect any, anything less than for that, than that for piggy. But I, I, I love that. It's sort of the, it has the built in stakes of what we we're saying 12 years since the previous theatrical movie, uh, they're as Rashida Jones character sort of points out, they're not really, are they, they're not really famous anymore. Like they're not in the pop cultural zeitgeist in the same way that they once were, at least not the mainstream. There's the hardcore Muppet fans like us that I, you know, I watched the, uh, very merry Muppet Christmas movie in 2002, uh, which has some story to, uh, story elements in common with this, uh, with this film as well. Them trying to put to raise money to save the theater, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, here it's the studio and the Muppet name itself 
and, and everything. We saw the Muppets Wizard from Oz, Wizard of Oz. Like we saw some of the projects in the middle, but like as far as mainstream doing a Muppet movie on the big screen, it had been a while. So I think it, it, it kind of, the movie interestingly sort of interrogates, well, are these characters really relevant? Do we still need them? What are your thoughts of sort of the subtext of that, that this movie... The question of this movie is, do people still care about the Muppets, basically? And we, you know, we get the entry point of the new character, Walter, which is, I think, how this is sort of a legacy sequel in, in a certain respect is because we have a new Muppet character coming in who, like Ray and Finn from Star Wars, <laughs> like all these other characters and all these other requels, are like, oh my gosh, Luke Skywalker? I thought he was a myth. And like, oh, Kermit the Frog, he's a legend. You know, it's, you're on my watch. And it's like a whole thing. In this movie, you have the entry point of the super fan. What are your thoughts on how it interrogates the Muppet legacy? Oh, I think it, I've, mm, mm, it's complicated for me. So I think it does a good job of it. I just wish, I feel like this was Disney setting up like one of their larger purchases in recent memory, you know, speaking of Star Wars. Mm. Um, and I yeah. feel like they were kind of like, ha huh, ha, huh, you love the Muppets. Like, let's like, you know, stoke some nostalgia and then do a really good like Definitely. relaunch of this. And then in my opinion, they haven't done as much as they can or they should have. Um, right. So it's kind of like annoying to have Disney be like, huh, Muppets are great, aren't they? I'm like, yes, they are. So where is the rest of our stuff? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. in terms of like audience stand-in, like we need that like Walter character because we do need to remember like Muppets are really cool. <laughs> like not that we wouldn't, but it's nice to have that character you can relate to. Who's going to be the one giving Kermit a pep talk? Because we want to. Like who else would do that here? We need that character. Yeah. It's also for me watching it this time, what really struck me is in a weird way, the whole, I think this movie sometimes gets criticized because Walter is people are like, Walter's such a boring character. And I'm like, eh, he's a, he's kind of inherently bland. That's kind of his, that's kind of the point he needs to be. That's, that's, I feel like that's the character's designed to sort of be a clean slate so that we can, he's the most human Muppet character. That's why there's the whole Manor Muppet song yeah. that he's a part of later on. Uh, he's, you know, raised with a human family for, for reasons unexplained. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's also, it's also kind of about representation in a way, which I thought was really interesting. Like you have this Muppet kid growing up with a human brother and I think presumably human parents. And he watches, he discovers the Muppet show and it's like, Oh, there are people like me, like, who are who are famous, who are, are living their dreams. And so it becomes an aspirational thing for him, where he literally says at one point, as long as there are Muppets, for me, there's still hope. And I think that's that's kind of a beautiful thing, just also this that Walter sort of finds uh, finds out where he belongs throughout the course of this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Walter is a wonderful character for that. And like the, kind of the whole point is, is that he's not extraordinary, right? Like, especially when he's like trying to find his talent in this film. <laughs> like, and he's just like, oh, I can't do anything. And it's like, that's not really the point. You're kind of special. So just like do what makes you happy and that you, you know, want to share with people. And if he were like, right. I don't know, like Gonzo or something like, you know, I don't know, even Pepe because he's not human it's weird and he has all these extra arms and i love him but like you know what i mean like if it, if it were someone who was extraordinary that would be like oh of course he's gonna like end up shining at the end and we're all just kind of rooting for him to like believe in himself and that almost seems like a more extraordinary thing to do if you are just like a regular kind of muppet of a man or a man of manly muppet he's a very manly, a very muppet. manly yeah. muppet yeah yeah but you know what i mean i'm just like yeah yeah, I, I think the the whistling thing, 
I, if I have a, a critique, I feel like they could have seeded that a little better in the movie. I think there were, there was more material for that at one point. Cause we get like a very brief glimpse of he's like helping them paint the theater or wherever. And he's whistling. And that's kind of all we get until later where you're like, what the hell is this? Where did this come from? Oh, yeah, it uh, comes. But I think it, it still works. Uh, it still works in the, in, in, you know, it's place. And yeah. Yeah. No, they definitely could have been like, Oh, he's a really good whistler. Like someone could have commented on it, something at all throughout the entire thing. Cause it is kind of dropped out of there, but it's also like, it's whistling. It's not like he's doing like magic tricks. He doesn't need yeah. any. He's not doing head bowling or, or whatever, <laughs> whatever God's was trying to do. Um. Yeah. Yeah. He's not like a dancing chicken. Like it's just kind of like some people are just good whistlers and that's like what it's the fact that it probably isn't in an extraordinary skill, but it's treated as such. Cause just cause he totally goes up there and owns it. Like it's sweet. Like, but I totally agree. Yeah, like it's yes. just, have him whistle a solo in the opening song, like something that we know that like whistling's his thing. Like that's what ev- like every other film would have done, and they exactly. don't fault him for it because it makes sense. What are your thoughts on the the music in this one? Because we have Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concords. This is directed by James Bobin, who directed a lot of the episodes of that show. Are you familiar with Flight of the Concords in general? Were you before this movie or since this film was? Oh, released? I'm deeply intimate with Flight of the Concords, and um, yes, good. I love them. I've good seen them live. It's amazing. I love them. I think I remember when like hearing Brett was working on the music for this before it came out, and I was like, I cannot think of anything more perfect in my entire life. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> And he nailed it. Like, I I love the music. I think that Muppet uh, Man or a Muppet is not the strongest song. Um, I agree. Actually, right? and, uh, what what do you think is the strongest song? Um, I think like Life's a Happy Song. Like, I just I don't know. I was rewatching this for this episode, yeah. and I was just like, you know, that's such a cute, fun, uplifting, Muppety, catchy song. Um, and Muppet or a Man is like it works, and it's totally wonderful in the plot. But it's just it's so serious and like I get what they're going for but I'm just kind of like I'm like this won an Oscar like there are other better songs I love that it won an Oscar because it's insane that a Muppet movie hadn't won an Oscar like how did Rainbow Connection not win best original song back in the day or or what is it it was (laughs) Rainbow Connection First time it happens, and I don't remember. I think it was together again, or one some other song from Muppets Take Manhattan was up for maybe score. I forget, but it was they. None of the Muppet movies have, were up since 1984 uh, until this That's film, crazy. which is insane to me. Like I'm, it's one of those things. I, I, I my attitude with the Oscars now is if someone that I that I'm a fan of gets an Oscar, I'm happy. I don't even care what it's for anymore because nobody remembers what people want Oscar for is they're just like Oscar winner such and such, you know? Uh, so I like I love that a Muppet production won an Oscar. I love that it was Brett McKenzie who got that Oscar. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I agree. It's like, I think life's a happy song would have made more sense. I also really like pictures in my head. I know he didn't write that, mm-hmm. but he, you know, he produced it, but didn't write that song. I think those are both stronger songs than man or Muppet, which I don't know how you watch this movie. And that's your takeaway. Like what a Muppet jam added to the, the canon. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I like it. And it's, it's just so focused on Jason Siegel's character. And I don't know, I don't know that whole story, his whole storyline, I feel like is maybe the least successful part of this movie on, if we're being honest. Oh, yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the balance with the human characters and the Muppets in that? Cause that's maybe something like, I really like this movie, but whenever the, the human characters sort of take over the spotlight from the Muppets a little too much, I'm just like, ah, I see what they're going for, but I don't, I don't know if I need a whole song about it. What are your, what are your thoughts on how they kind of split that, that screen time? I'm, I'm, 
kind of fine with it. I do like that. I mean, I love Jason Siegel and I really love Amy Adams. So I'm kind of okay with them taking some of the spotlight here. Um, I, I rewatched it again and I'm like, she should freaking leave him. Like he is being such a jerk and he just like completely abandoned her on their 10 year anniversary. So I'm just like, that's a bit extreme for me. Um, but I get it. Like, it's just, you know, she's not going to completely dump him. She's more just like, I know you're working on something else, but I'm hurt. Um, but I'm just like, good God woman. Um, I don't know. I, I, so here's the thing. So I was talking to a friend cause, um, we watched, um, Muppets Most Wanted the other night cause it's freaking amazing. And I love that film. And he was saying that he actually doesn't like the, this, the Muppets that much because, he feels like the human world is a little too Muppety. And the one of the great joys of the Muppets mm. is that yeah. it's kind of like just puppets in our regular world. And it's just, it should, it should right. be weirder than it is, but everyone is just kind of like, no, no, this I, is how it is. Yeah. No, I, I actually agree with that. Like I, I think this might be a overall better movie than Muppets Most Wanted, but I almost kind of prefer Muppets Most Wanted because of what you just said, because the lead character is, you know, the lead characters are the Muppets. There are people in it. You know, I love, I think Ricky Gervais and Tina Fey and uh, Ty Burrell especially actually really goes for it in that movie. I think it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, but Jason Siegel and Amy Adams in this, they're, they're, and Chris Cooper, <laughs> as much fun as they are to watch, they are hamming it up pun intended, I guess, for Piggy and, and her, uh, her, her group. Uh, I feel like they're, uh, they're hamming it up so much that it, it, it does kind of distract me. You know, they, they do the thing with, uh, Amy Adams character holding on the, the note at the end of the song, like twice in this. And I was like, I, I get what you're doing, but I don't know. It's just, it, it feels like it's a little, it's a little much. And I feel like that balance is slightly off. That being said, I, I generally fan, it was, you, you know, I watched all, nine seasons of How I Met Your Mother and then got disappointed at the ending like a lot of people. So obviously <laughs> I was very familiar with Jason Segel before this. And obviously Amy Adams is, you know, I, I feel like she's better in Enchanted. I feel like her performance as the acting and singing is actually better in that movie. But I also feel like it's better suited because she's the fish out of water as opposed to like you were saying, yeah, the, the human elements are, they're, they're a little too exaggerated here. Yeah. And I never really put that together. That's probably why it, it bothers me because they are, so Muppety, even Mary, who's not the Muppet of a man. It's uh, <laughs> like, like Gary's thing is like, it feels, yeah, it feels a little, a little off, but you get to see Chris Cooper do a rap. So that's kind of doing the maniacal uh, laugh. <laughs> never like, knew I wanted I it. love the maniacal laugh. <laughs> maniacal yeah. laugh. But yeah, yeah. And also with the music, like there's, I, I mean, I haven't done like a survey or a breakdown, but there's a lot of non Muppet music in here which is yes, not yeah, typical. Is. Like, that's something that I was like, oh, this is weird. Like, and when they were doing the, like, we built this city sing-along to, like, clean up the theater. And, like, at one point, Amy Adams is lip-syncing. I'm like, you can totally sing this. You actually have an amazing voice, which is kind of half the point that you're, reason that you're here. So, like, that just, I don't know, that caught me off guard. Like, I liked the songs they chose and it was fun. And, like, everyone loves a good Starship reference. But, like, I don't know. That was just right. very, it didn't strike me as super Muppety. Like I enjoyed it, but I'm like, Oh, this is going to take some getting used to. Well, Walter's like, you're the Muppets. You do this to music, other people's music. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's not how that works. Uh, I like, what are your thoughts on the, the, what do you think of the Muppet, the Muppetized version? So the Camilla and the chickens doing forget you. And, uh, what is it? The, oh yeah. That smells, smells like, like teen spirit. spirit. With the barbershop quartet, which is really fun to listen to on the album. You're just like, what is this? I 
uh, because I, I do have the soundtrack and I've listened oh, to it. Oh, you should. Years too. Yeah, no, I think that's actually super cute and it feels like very much in the spirit of The Muppet Show. So like, I think if The Muppet Show were still going on, like I'd like to think they would still do silly stuff like that. It's like, not all of it needs to be like super original music, but I'd just prefer it if they were the ones performing it. Right. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, it's, yeah. So you have, the, the, we built the city and then also the human characters. I feel like we're on the music thing. So let's talk about Pictures in my head, uh, because I really, this, I, I feel like it's a requisite, it's kind of a prerequisite for every Muppet movie, every great Muppet movie, in my opinion, to have a sequence or two that I get emotional at. And for me, it, this is the first one. The other one would probably be, which, which is a, obviously a little bit of a cheap shot on the, on the part of the filmmakers, but having Kermit and Piggy sing Rainbow Connection, oh, like, yeah. that, and, and as the numbers are ticking up and all of that, uh, you know, I, I, I love the the nostalgic the sort of melancholy of pictures in my head. And I love not only the, the way the song functions in the movie, but also the way that it's the way that it's visually brought to life with the paintings of all the different Muppets and coming to life and and the Muppets sort of leaning out in into the, the hallway singing to Kermit. What did that sequence really stand out to you, oh. especially as 12 years after the last Muppet movie? Yeah, this? and the fact that that's the first time that we're seeing those characters, really, like, on screen. Oh, yeah. my goodness. It's so perfect and beautiful, and that song just, like, breaks your heart. Because, like, again, like, you just want to be like, Kermit, we love you. Don't d- doubt yourself. Um, but, yeah, no, I really like that song a lot. It's it's not like I'm not going to put it on to listen to because it's so sad. Right. Um, yeah. maybe I will actually now let me rethink that but um, <laughs> well well, and they lead into the song with Kermit being like you know they're saying it's time to light the lights it's time to meet the Muppets and he's like I, I, he's basically says something like I guess people sort of forgot about us I'm like oh Jesus this is so upsetting um, but yeah having that you know especially the, the, the sort of button at the end of the song is uh, Piggy's covered portrait that he's like even oh, he yeah. can't bring himself to look at that. I think that's, it's really, it's really beautiful. And the, these characters, there's certain moments that, you know, on, on a previous episode, we talked about how uh, in Muppet Treasure Island, um, there was originally going to be Gonzo and Rizzo. were going to be Jim and Hawkins. And that was going to be, they were going to lead that. But it, it, they, the studio, I think was hesitant about having those characters carry the emotional weight of the movie. We were talking about in that episode about how that scene at the end with Jim and silver wouldn't necessarily, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have that same beat if it was Tim Curry looking at a Muppet. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a lot of truth to that, I think. And at the same time, when the Muppets are reflecting on, their, themselves, their place in the world, their aspirations, their dreams, when they're relating to each other. Uh, there's there's so much that these movies do, the little moments that really make these characters feel real, feel alive. There's a moment, I think, right before the, the Muppet Telethon starts that struck me as one of those moments where you see kind of behind the, the sign, Kermit kind of like taking a breath and kind of bracing himself because it's, it's like, in, you know, nervous about how the show's going to go and having do, having to do this for the first time in so many years, right before he opens it up and says, welcome to the Muppet Show, <laughs> you know, I think that's sort of little glimpse behind the scenes and, and it treats these characters not like puppets, it treats them like real, real beings and that's, I think, sort of their biggest appeal for a lot of fans is that 
you know, you tur- you might turn on the, the masked singer and see Kermit the Frog as one of the c- characters, like which is a thing they actually did. Or, you know, they'll show up on Hollywood squares or whatever. They, they exist in our world as sort of the illusion. So I love when we get to see sort of their interiority uh, come yeah, to life. Yeah, and like they're in advertisements, like they're in our world treated like any other celebrity essentially and that's how we should be because they're they are basically as far as i'm concerned absolutely mm-hmm. we mentioned about how the movie is all about putting the gang back together again i love that we get to kind of run through where every what everyone's been doing it's sort of reminiscent of uh the muppets take mm-hmm. manhattan when everyone goes their separate ways and we're like oh fozzy goes hibernating <laughs> and I forget what Gonzo's doing and the, the Electric Mayhem's at an Oktoberfest kind of playing a gig or whatever. And everybody has their own thing. So going here and, and meeting not only Fozzie, but the oh, Muppets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, do, what do the Muppets bring to this movie? I, I guess as far as comedy, but also as far as like what this kind of putting into a modern context, what the Muppets are. Yeah, yeah. And of course, like, the Muppets are like the low rent Muppets in Reno singing about like buffet deals and stuff. Like it's, it's pathetic, but like, it's also like, I, I, it's also kind of like a sign of like, Oh, the mighty have fallen. Cause like, that's not where Fozzie should be, <laughs> but you know, at least he's still out there doing stuff. And like, I don't know, he seems to be enjoying himself to a certain degree, to a certain degree. But, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like, all. He could he could do with a better dressing room. That's all <laughs> yes, I have he to could. Say. And it's also just like, did you ever ask yourself what would happen to Fozzie without Kermit around? Like that's kind of what happens. Yeah. He was. I mean, Kermit met him at a CD bar in the Muppet movie. So I mean, it's he just kind of ended up in a sort of similar situation, but with the notoriety of the Muppets that that happened in yeah, the interim. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's just like. I don't know, Kermit wondering if anyone knows who they are anymore. It's like, well, probably not if this is where, like, you know, the biggest, like, Muppet cover band has ended up. <laughs> Why are there such oh, great but- deals on our hotel rooms? Like, I love it. Well, it was like, I noticed this time there's, like, a sign that's just, like, restrooms through the bar or something. I'm like, that's never a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we also see uh, Dave Grohl yeah, as uh, Anna Mool, which, which is really fun. Uh we get uh, Poogie that that later becomes a thing, uh, comes back later. The, uh, the, the that's really funny as well. No, and I, I it's also the whole point of later on where Tex mm-hmm. Richmond is trying to you know he wants to he's going to give the Muppets the Muppet name and essentially be like oh they're a hard cynical act for a hard cynical <laughs> world and I and it's again what I was saying like at the beginning this movie represents so much about what the Muppets are which is pushing through all of that and trying to have that sort of optimistic, you know, uh, ambitious sort of, you know, moral uprightness in the face of a world where that doesn't seem to be particularly valued a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, especially, I mean, you know, watching this now after in this kind of super divisive, not to get political, but the super divisive climate, with uh, everything that's been going on in, in Washington, with now COVID and the way everything seems to be politicized. And it's like, yeah, I feel like we need characters like the Muppets, not the Muppets, <laughs> more than now than than ever before. I think that that's, especially for young people, like they need a reason to feel like that is valued because it, it doesn't always yeah, feel that and way. It's like they're silly and fun and they are, you know, singing weird songs over the credits. Like that's just like, 
You can be a kid. It's cool. It's fine to be silly. Kindness and silliness. And, and it, it's the third greatest gift is laughter, apparently, after, uh, what is it, children and ice cream. <laughs> ice cream. So, uh, so yeah, so we meet the other, the other characters, animals in anger management, which I loved. Uh, you know, uh, Gonzo had a plumbing business that he immediately destroys. He's keeping his, his, uh, his jumpsuit is like daredevil suit uh, under, underneath there on. Uh, I love the fact that we, we get a little, a little throwaway gag for Ralph who, you know, I feel like every Muppet movie can do a little more, a little bit more Ralph, uh, do you remember the the Ralph no, cutaway? No, and I just watched that. What was it? So it's very brief. They're they're uh, they show they do uh, they do Fozzie, they do Gonzo, they do Animal, where we get the setup for Jack Black uh, to to be uh, kidnapped later on, which we'll get to. And uh, they're the the eighties robot, which again, eighties robot. That's amazing. Clever, clever inclusion there. Um, uh, we get Ralph being like, oh, how come I wasn't in the montage? 80s robots like, may I suggest we go collect the rest of them up oh, yeah. the montage? And then they do the montage. And then and Ralph's like, why wasn't I in the montage? I thought my story was pretty interesting. And they cut to Ralph like on a porch in a hammock napping. <laughs> and they're like, hey, Ralph, you want to get back together? And he's like, okay. And he got back and Ralph's like, oh, classic. Um, so I love... I feel like Ralph is sort of the undersung Muppet, uh, partially maybe because Jim Henson performed that character. And there was a period where after Jim Henson passed away, where Ralph was sort of quasi retired. And so they, they just, I guess, put more emphasis on obviously Kermit and, and a lot of the other, the other characters that needed to, you know, be at the forefront of the stories going forward. But I love that we get a little hat tip to Ralph who, who, you know, has been there from the beginning. And I think is, Low key, maybe one of the uh, one of the the stealth favorite Muppets that a lot of people like. Oh, and Ralph, like the Ralph fan base, I think appreciated that little. Oh my god, I love moment. him so. Like if in Muppets Take Manhattan when he like works at the like place where you can board your dog, and, and then also <laughs> yeah, like I hope yeah. that something better comes along is like one of the best Muppet songs as far as I'm concerned. It it is. I was just listening that to that tonight when I was giving my uh, my baby I was giving him a bath and I was listening to the Muppet songs with him and that came on it's it's yeah that's it a, it's a great song this is by far by the way I I think this is by far the best Muppet movie score like selection of songs I guess I should say since at least the Muppet Christmas oh, yeah. Carol I appreciate elements of Muppet Treasure Island I don't feel like it's up to the same level musically or otherwise as uh, Christmas Carol mm -hmm. or this one and so I, I think that uh, Brett McKenzie really kind of brings that that um, freshness that this particular yeah, project Muppets Christmas Carol had Paul Williams, so like of course it was amazing. Exactly. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Uh, we since we're since we're doing all the music, we didn't talk about Me Party already. We got uh, Amy Adams doing her. What is that? Is that, is that is. Charlie Chaplin that did the thing with like the biz? Yeah, she does that for a little bit with the bread on the table, and we get a sort of Amy Adams piggy duet. Uh, do you, do you any thoughts on that number? I mean, I know it's really brief, but at least we get, it, it must've been, I feel like it was probably contractually stipulated that Amy Adams get a song <laughs> because, because the, the, I like that that adds that wrinkle like what you were saying about like, wow, yeah, I really feel for a Mary and, and Gary's like not really stepping up. Um, what are your thoughts on what that brings to their storyline and, and particularly, I guess, pushing Gary to, I guess, grow up at a certain, to a certain. Yeah, I mean, extent. I think it really has its place when it comes to like her character development. Cause she's not like, 
If they didn't have that scene, it would seem like she's just like sitting around being wallowing and being bitter. And that's really not the case. Like she's going out and doing her thing. She's trying, trying, yeah, but she's also kind of like, I know that we're here for Walter now. Like, I just need to do dinner. And that's like her one thing. And like the fact that he can't even do that one minimal thing. Like, she's having Mm -hmm. fun. She's exploring, like, reading her thesaurus later, which always cracks me up. I love the thesaurus bit. I'm so glad you (laughs) mentioned that. I was going to be like, as an English major, I I appreciated that so much. Like, I was just sitting here alone. You know, yeah. walking, walking home, doing sightseeing independently or whatever. Like, I love yeah, that. Yeah, that was that's so much cute, fun. But it's also just like, I don't know. I like the me party. Like, it's a fun little song. And it's just like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's not super long. It's the, it's got the her. It's like two minutes yeah, yeah, or it's something. It's got the her yeah. and piggy thing. And like, but I like, I do appreciate the fact that it's just like, it goes to show that she's not just like harumph. Like, she's kind of like, I'm seeing LA. Right. I just would like to be experiencing it was my you know my boyfriend of 10 years right mary's character is or as it is sort of i feel like underdeveloped Mm -hmm. but without that song it's like doesn't exist i think essentially other than that you'd have that one moment of her singing out the window about her you hoping that he would propose to her and that's pretty much all you would get without that and that's really not who she Uh, is like i mean of course she wants to get married but like well it's been 10 years i mean Come on, Gary. Like, yeah, right. But it's just like, it's because she loves him and she wants to get married. And like, not because she's like got like some sort of biological clock ticking or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think as exaggerated as it is, it's important that they make it 10 years that it's not, it's not, if they were going to get, if they were dating for like a year and then she was like, it, they might come off more that way, but because it's been so long, we're all like, yeah, seriously. The fact that they're talking about their trip to LA and he's immediately like, oh, I'm going to go check on Walter. I'm like, Jesus, dude. Yeah. Come on. Walter's important to him and their relationship is like really wonderful and sweet to see, but it's also like, but that's not your only relationship, dude. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure most people engaged or, or dating Amy Adams for 10 years would have like put a ring yeah, on her. Yeah, she's point. wonderful. She helps them clean up the theater and everything. Like, she's in it. I know. She totally rolls with it once. I feel like we're on a total Mary tangent (laughs) now, but that's, uh, I I think it kind of needs to happen. So, yeah, she totally rolls with it once they're there and contributes to everything and doesn't, she's just like, doesn't even bring up dinner that much until she's like, I'm just wondering, by the way, since it's about to happen, what's the plan for dinner? He's like, I don't care. Yeah. And that's clearly, Um, it's (laughs) terrible. Trusted him. Like, she was like, I want to do dinner. And he's like, no problem. Like, she's not nagging and other horrible words to describe women sometimes when they're just being reasonable. But, like, she's just mm-hmm. like, hey, what's going on here? Like, I'm going to bring it up because you told me we were doing this thing today. And, you know, what are we doing? Like, she doesn't, she assumes that things are going well. And she assumes that he's sticking to his word. And that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. When we find Piggy, uh, I love, first of all, I love that Piggy is super successful without Kermit, but in a mm-hmm. completely different way. Not surprised. Piggy's a go-getter. Piggy's going to make her way regardless. I mean, we even see in the Muppet movie, she's, she's getting, you know, she's, she's a model and actress and she's got an agent and she's trying to work on her career. And then she chooses because she falls in love with Kermit. She chooses to go with him and join the Muppets. Like it's, it's an, you know, Piggy is always a character that has had an abundance of agency. It's just, she's blinded by her, her affection for Kermit. And I love one that that when we find her, she's working at Vogue Paris with Emily Blunt sort of doing a riff on her Devil Wears Prada character, which is great. Uh, but also when she sees Kermit, she immediately reverts back to the piggy that we know, the same piggy that that like 
had a whole romantic fantasy so, uh, song in the Muppet yeah. movie with Never Before Never Again, which I still love that oh, song so too, fun. by the way. Uh, and she immediately reverts back to that and runs over to Carmi and, 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 and then snaps back. She's like, no, I told myself I would never go back. I'm staying here. That kind of thing. I, I love that, that Piggy is again, a very complicated character. So when you put her in a situation, she's, there's like an inner negotiation going on. Since we were just talking about Mary and her relationship, the other big relation, romantic relationship of this film, obviously is Kermit and Piggy. What do, what do you think about the way that they won that they reconnect, but also the the backstory that we're given here. We were just saying earlier about how there's not really a canon or a continuity, but she's saying about how, oh, you never wanted to marry me, but, you know, which again questions though, but wait, they got married in <laughs> Muppets Take Manhattan, but not really, uh, which again, confused me as uh, I think when I saw this, I was like, wait a minute, were they not married? Like, what's the deal? Like, are they married? Are they separated? Are they like, what is the, what is the relationship status? Exactly. It feels like it's constantly changing based on what Muppet project you're watching. But they, uh, so they, you know, he basically left her at the altar. They built a house together and everything. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the Muppet, uh, the, the Kermit piggy dynamic in this movie? Where I, we pick it I up think from? it makes sense. Like, I mean, also like in Muppets take Manhattan, like they were like, college sweethearts like that wasn't I don't know if they went to college yeah. in this version of their world um, but no I think it's I love when like Kermit's like oh got everybody here and they're like no we really don't and, like we're missing Piggy and Kermit's just like nope nope everyone's here gangs back together like that cracks me up because yeah. like Kermit of course doesn't want confrontation like and he kind of probably knows that he's the one who messed up in this instance so I don't know I love it's just like it just shows a little I don't want to say humanity frog Manatee, like <laughs> you, you froggity. I don't know which part of that word just, needs to be replaced. Yeah, we got a frog um, in there somewhere, but like, I don't know, it cracks me up how he's just like, no, yeah. no, no, we're good. Like, he's the one who's really hesitant to see her rather than the other way around. So, I don't know. And, and I, oh, I was gonna say, go like, ahead, there no, go needs ahead. to be some sort of turmoil there. Like, I mean. Yeah, it's it's much more interesting if there is something going on and that needs to like we want, again we want to see them get back together and they have to be separate for that. Yeah, totally. No, and and their their dynamic going back to the Muppet Show is uh, Piggy has always been all in. Like mm -hmm. even in the Muppet movie, Piggy was like. Oh, where are you going? You're going to Hollywood? And she's like, call on board. She's like, I will follow this frog wherever he goes kind of thing. And Kermit reciprocates those feelings, but way with way more hesitation. And and his whole thing, it's, it's you know, we're, we're sort of uncovering wrinkles in, in this character, which sounds like, you know, it sounds like a, an intense relationship drama, the way we're talking about this Muppet movie, but it's it's still there uh, on paper. This, the subtext is there that... He, it's hard for him, and I love that this movie sort of highlights that. It's hard for him to admit what he really wants yeah, or needs. Yeah, I think it, it's that's always been there. Like he's such a selfless character to a fault. I think, you know, I, I brought this up on the the Muppet movie episode where it's not the fame and fortune. It's not the the standard rich and famous contract, which gets yeah. name dropped in this movie, which I love every time they, they go back to that. It's like, oh, this is the rich and famous contract they signed 40 years ago. Uh, I, and uh, it's not the rich and fame, the being, you know, becoming a star that, that motivates him. It's, it's the millions of people happy, which I always get a little emotional when I watch them up at me like, oh, he's so pure. We, we should all be as good as Kermit the Frog, you know? So for him to say, I need you, you know, it, it's, that takes a lot of, uh, you know, that takes a lot for him to do that. And so I love that this, you know, even 
the seven movies and 30 something years into this franchise, we're still sort of peeling back the layers of, of these characters and, and uh, you know, they're, they're, I guess, psyches in a way. Yeah, if that yeah, makes and sense. Like their motivations, like the deeper and longer their relationships get, the more complicated they are. So like we get to see, it's not just like, yeah. I don't know. In like Muppet movie, we see in him, him and Piggy's first date and like, she's already off the bat, a very complicated person and his like inability to like, yes commit like even though it's that early on is already a facet to their relationship but like for him to like you know leave her at the altar and they built this house like there's that much more that they need to process and digest before they can move forward i love that we 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 get more of kermit and piggy and, mm-hmm. and their relationship and they sort of reconnect and all that well <laughs> they they do kidnap uh <laughs> yes, jack black in this film which I think is important to point out. One, because that's one of the stipulations when they they pitch the telethon to Rashida Jones, who's Veronica, is that her name, I think, in this? Something like that? Yeah. Uh, for what is just CDE, which is clearly sort of an ABC stand-in uh, for, this, for this movie. Uh, they need a celebrity host. You know, they almost don't do that. They, 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 they have a hole in the schedule because of what punch teacher or whatever it is, which this is, this is again, if, is this one of the earlier instances in this trend? Because every time you see like reality television depicted in movies, it's always something like that. It's in this, it's punch teacher in the Lego movie. It's where are my pants? And then, you know, it's like, that's always a thing that shows up. Like the way television is depicted in these movies is sort of contributing to that sort of lowbrow, like, you know, base humor uh, within us all. Like, I love that that commentary, that sort of bit, that bit of social commentary. And that's the only reason that they're able to get even a chance is because Punch <laughs> Teacher is getting, like, like sued by the teachers' union or something. It's like the teachers are tired of being punched, basically. Um, well, <laughs> which, you know, fair. Too. Like, teachers, uh, really? Yeah, exactly. I don't know why that's, like, you know, pick something. What What is tax auditor, you know, punch tax man or something. I don't know. It's got to be something like, what is what is a, a profession where people are just like, yeah, no, we're not into it. Politicians or something. I don't know. Someone that we can all, everything, everyone can get behind. It's just, um, it feels like a show that probably would have been on Nickelodeon, honestly, back in the 90s, <laughs> oh, like Double goodness. Dare style. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they, they need a celebrity host. Kermit tries to call everyone. There was actually a lot more celebrity cameos in that section, but also throughout the movie that got cut out. Danny Trejo obviously shows up in Muppets Most Wanted. He was supposed to be in this movie. Uh, Ricky Gervais was actually going to be in this movie. You can see a lot of these deleted scenes on the Blu-ray or even on Disney+. Plus. I think they have some of them there. Uh, Billy Crystal was supposed to be in in, the, in one scene where they were like trying to do their own award, Academy Awards thing to try and get... get, uh, get you know, celebrity interest. There was supposed to be an Elmo cameo, which was nixed by yeah, Disney lawyers and the Sesame Workshop. They were like, "Yep, nope, not happening." The the Muppets and Sesame Street have been divorced at this point, which is which is a shame because those early Muppet movies, there's always an, uh, a nod to to yeah. uh, the Sesame Street gang, whether it's Big Bird heading to New York <laughs> to break into public television, or Oscar the Grouch just kind of popping in for a, a scene, or everyone from Sesame Street showing up at Kermit and Piggy's mm-hmm. air quotes wedding. Um, because we all know that wedding wasn't real. It's a bummer <laughs> now uh, looking back. But <laughs> but so, you know, they end up kidnapping Jack Black, which I, I appreci- appreciate one because the Muppets have that sort of anarchic streak. Like that's part of their humor. Like 
you know, there's puns, there's sort of, you know, um, physical humor and all of this. The only really bit of potty humor we get here is the <laughs> fart shoes. But part of <laughs> part of it is always they're you, they're unpredictable, especially when when Kermit's when Kermit's away, stuff gets goes down. And Piggy's always the one that takes over. Again, we saw mm-hmm. that in Muppet Take Manhattan where uh, he's feeling the pressure of trying to, to sell the show. And Kerm, Piggy's like, we all have to go, you know, it's not up to, it's not fair for all, all of us to put all this on Kermit. We should, you know, all that kind of thing. Like, we're going to say that we have other things going on so that, you know, it, it's, we don't have to make him feel responsible for all of us, essentially. So in, in this case, Piggy takes over <laughs> and hatches a kidnapping plot, which is really funny because it, the way it, it sort of cuts to all the different characters midway through the the heist, we get Lou Zealand gets his own like little <laughs> name card and all of this. Uh, there's a little bit of CG in there when like I think Beaker yeah. is doing martial arts that I'm always a little like, eh, I don't really care when you guys do that. I prefer to stick to the traditional Muppet methods. Uh, I, I love one that um, that they they kidnapped Jack Black behind Kermit's back, which is the only way it would have happened. And so you get that great joke after the fact of where Fozzie says, uh, oh, what would be more illegal? Like kidnapping Jack Black or letting them, you know, destroy destroying the Muppets. He's like, kidnapping the Jack Jack Black, Fozzie. Um, so I love that moment. And I love the fact that it is Jack Black because Jack Black is that sort of larger than life personality, whether, you know, people are familiar with him in school of rock or tenacious D or the, you know, the Jumanji movies more recently, like he, he feels like talk about a, a Muppet of a right? man. Like he, he fits so perfectly into this world. Like I can't, it's hard to imagine a better person. One that has that same high level of energy two that plays to the same crowd where kids already, you know, are, are fans of Jack Black at this point. Uh, so he, he fits the demographic and sort of the, the sort of comedic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's like a very Muppety man. Um, I love Jack Black. So that made me very happy. And he just does the whole like red faced. I can't believe you're putting me on stage and like cutting my hair and singing around me. <laughs> he's like, you're messing yeah. up my look. <laughs> well, I look yeah. all fancy. And like when he's like, well, when like Gonzo's going to do like head bowling or whatever it is. And he's just like, wait, what? Like he, he does that whole like animated panic really really well so to kidnap him was a good decision yeah and it, and it also gives the the Muppet telethon this sort of it feels kind of like uh mm. the producers in a way that you know they're playing it straight and because they're playing it straight the people on stage in the producers in <laughs> springtime for hitler the audience reacts to it like it's a satire like it's you mm-hmm. know poking fun at at uh the nazi regime here, Jack Black is literally like panicking, like, oh my God, I didn't sign off on this. Get me out of here. And because of that, it it plays, it, it plays like he's part of the bit. And I like I love that moment where Fozzie's like, oh, now you take it. You know, Fozzie leans into that bit. He's like, it's actually working. Like for the first time, you usually I don't get this reaction. Uh so he has someone to he found a, a person to play off of. Yeah, stage, yeah. That also really feels like a little honest because like, I don't know, if you were to go see stand up and it were actual Fozzie jokes, like it, I mean we'd be kind of disappointed but then to see someone on stage just like acting like we would like okay that's good it's the same kind of energy with Mm -hmm. Sattler and Waldorf in a way uh, where Fozzie is funny because he gets heckled Uh, so in this case it's it's sort of getting kind of getting heckled on stage where he's telling this this joke and Jack Black is like oh that's such an old one that's one of the worst jokes I've ever heard or whatever like he's totally he's totally a part of that 
This is one of the movies I think I had a lot of thoughts on because like the Muppet movie, it's reinventing this, this franchise to a certain degree. I love Muppet Studios yeah. as a thing in this movie that they had, they had tour as it was like an, a tourist attraction. The Muppet Theater, which is uh, in real life is the El Capitan Theater in LA, which I think I actually, one time back in the mid 2000s, I was in LA with my family and we went to Disneyland and all that. So we saw a nightmare before Christmas uh, in 3d in that theater, which Disney owns. So that, that El Capitan theater uh, doubles for the Muppet theater in this movie, um, which, which I think is, I, I think is really cool. Again, it's another way that this film sort of imagines that what, what would it be like if the Muppets existed in our world? I'm watching. I'm like, I want to go tour the Muppet studios. <laughs> I, seriously. And it hurts to watch this movie and see Alan Arkin just being like, uh, here's where this is Kermit's office. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the other people are he's looking like, yep. for Universal Studios. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah that's Universal Studio. That cracks me up. And also like the part <laughs> where like you after they've cleaned up the theater the night before the show, like when they're all like in the hammocks just hanging out, like that looks so cute. Like I just love seeing them all together in the, the in the theater and like knowing that that is a place that brought them so much comfort. Like oh, they just all look yeah. at home. And and it embraces all the history of you know not only the movies because they reference oh, did you see our first movie? Mm-hmm. We drive that kind of thing. Uh, but also the Muppet Show. You get all the there's like there's footage of the Muppet Show in here. At one there's pic there's pictures of the different hosts and everything in Kermit's house or in the office or wherever. Uh, there's even a picture of Kermit and Jim Henson at one point, which I think yeah, is really sweet. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Like uh, all, all of that. Yeah, it's so so cool. I love that Uncle Deadly and, and Bobo, <laughs> the bear, uh, realize that, hey, wait a minute, we're Muppets at a certain point. Uncle Deadly's like, you know, they're like, are we working for the bad guy? I think that bear always like comes to a senses at some point during the, like in between this and like Muppets from Space. Like he's a good guy. He's yeah, just like exactly. kind of blindly following yeah, yeah, he, he gets, gets mixed, mixed up. up. There's just so much here to talk about, and like, I don't know. I just love this movie. Yeah, it just oh, like oh, I did yeah, want to bring up so, Hobo totally Joe because I was trying okay. to think of films of people who have had oh, yeah. um, humans who have been in more than one Muppet movie because there's so many like fast and quick cameos. There, I don't feel like there's a ton of overlap, but like Hobo Joe himself as Hobo Joe is in. Um, Muppets Most Wanted as well. So I was like rewatching it. I'm like, oh, Hobo Joe. Yes, yeah. he is. He, and like how he starts taking people's money. Like, <laughs> just like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Five dollars to show you to your yeah. seat or whatever. No, I, I think that's just like such a perfect <laughs> for him too. And it's just like, and he's just there and he's happy and he's doing his thing and he's like bringing in the crowd somehow. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's like, what do you mean no audience? <laughs> what about Hobo Joe? Uh, why does everybody always forget Hobo Joe? He says, uh, "Yeah, is there is there a, uh, other than I guess Zach Galifianakis? Is there a uh, a certain cameo that stands out to you? Because I think for the Muppet side of things, I love that Beauregard is just hanging out in the closet <laughs> apparently all this time, and they're just he's just like, where's everybody been? I've just been hanging out here backstage, uh, and I love that we do get even though this movie focuses so heavily on the original kind of core Muppet show." characters that we do get a little moment for Pepe uh, as, mm-hmm. as Piggy's new dance partner uh, in that one cutaway thing. And then from the human side of things, I, I, you know, I'm not even a fan of the big bang theory, but Jim Parsons cameo, that was really yeah, no, fun. That and was really cute. Cause I'm like, Oh wait, who would I, they have as a human to play Walter? And it's like, okay, that kind of makes sense. He's kind of Muppety. Yeah. Um, 
totally a bit of a man yeah um no i'm i i love sweetums so much so anytime he's actually included and kind of given something to do i just love it and at the end during rainbow connection when like everyone comes out and sweetums is wearing like a like the front of a tuxedo i'm like good for you yeah no i love pepe it's great to have him around um and like the 80s robot is funny it's like john hodgman or something isn't it like it's like yeah it's like a perfect i think so in terms of like people cameos like sarah silverman is the diner hostess it's just like oh yeah okay <laughs> yeah. party one it's just like oh really sarah silverman in a muppet movie who would have thought oh, and just like yeah. alan arkin is of course wonderful i don't know i feel always underwhelmed by the people in the telethon because it's like i don't know that kid yeah, yeah they're just all yeah, kind of like there Arkel yeah and like nph that's yeah, that's the most random yeah, one like nph makes sense like I, of course i, I I was just about to say, he's like, yeah, I don't know why I'm not hosting this either. Cause this is like that stage where he's just hosting like the Tonys and all the, like, he's just hosting yeah. things at that point. Uh, he's, he's on how I met your mother and hosting things. Yeah, just kind of yeah. his career I like point. Him, but it's like, I remember at the time that kid from modern family, like I didn't watch that yeah. show. So I'm just like, who the hell is this guy? And like Selena Gomez, like now I adore her from Only Murders in the Building. But before then, I'm like, I don't, I don't know who you are. Right. And like part of me is just like, this is their like one reach yeah. for the youth. Because <laughs> their their youth are probably like, who the hell is James Carville? Right. They're all like dancing through that human town that like they all live in. That's like much more a Muppety than where the Muppets live. Like every time I watch that, like it's got right. that Mickey, it's Mickey Rooney, right? Um, yeah, which is adorable. It's like, yeah, it is. Um, but also like, all of I'm all, every time I watch that, I'm just like, this should be filled with people I know. Like, I feel like in the past it would have been like, I don't know, you could look and it would be like the whole cast of How I Met Your Mother or something like that. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, there's so many humans, and yeah, none of these are cameos at this moment. That just feels weird to me. I feel like they level up the cameos oh, yeah. a bit in Muppets Most Wanted. It's even in the opening song, you get uh, Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga yeah, right out like the gate. Did. You could see the this movie coming off of twelve years of no Muppet movies because they probably weren't. If you if you do like and if you do a little research on who they had in the original version of the script, it was like George Clooney and like all these big names, and no way they were they were able to be able to pull all that off, but. Uh, I think you could tell the success of this mm-hmm. film. This is the highest grossing Muppet movie. You can see the success of this film kind of pay off in that in that way in the sequel, uh, as far as cameos are concerned. Because, you know, I, yeah, I love not only that the Selena Gomez and I think it's Rico Rodriguez is that, is that other kid from Modern Family. Like, I think not only do they, are they in there to sort of appeal to the youth and you get that, that those the great jokes from the two of them, Selena Gomez, like, I don't even know yeah. who you are. My agent just sent me down here kind of thing. And the other could be like, are you Ninja Turtles? And Gomez's <laughs> like, yes, I am. Yes, we are. <laughs> you know, uh, it f- feeds into the theme of the movie where Rashida Jones saying like, nobody knows who you are anymore. You're not famous. Uh, all of that. So I love that there's, they fit thematically with the rest, mm-hmm. with the rest of what the movie's trying to say. And I love that the fact that it, they, we, we both, the movie finds a way to, have its cake and eat it too sort of thing where we get that exciting moment of them getting to the 10 million pretty much. And then it's, you know, revealed that it was like a hundred thousand or something. They almost got nowhere near the 10 million. So it pulls the rug out from under us. And then it's, it's, I think fits sort of this franchise as a whole, because one, everybody loves the Muppets, but there's also people like us who 
who are like really love the Muppets, who stick with this franchise, stick with these characters. They have a, a special connection to it. And so, you know, even though they don't hit the the financial goal whatsoever, they open the doors. They're like, uh, you know, like we'll start from the bottom up. They still have that can do spirit. They still have that, you know, they believe in themselves. They're going to pursue their dreams, all that, that the Muppets represent. They walk out yeah. the whole and streets like, filled really with fans, filled. which like there's a, I love that moment. It's so there. beautiful. Like, yeah, no, there's a ton. And like, you're yeah. right. Like we are, people who are going to go see this film or like at when, cause I definitely saw it in the theater. I saw like a midnight showing when it was released and I'm just like, we are Walter. Like, of, like we, the ones who are sticking with it, we are Walter and we're just kind of waiting for the rest of the world to get on our level. And this film is kind of like one step towards that. So, yeah. and then Tex Richmond gets yeah. hit in the head in the credits anyway, and they still get to keep them up at name in the theater. But, but it's, it's not that, it's not that, that 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 that's how that happens that matters. It's the fact that they were willing to be like, eh, we'll start over. Like, we don't need this theater, whatever. We're still the Muppets. We found each other again, and that's what matters. So I love that. Like, even when you lose, you win kind of kind of energy. Yeah, that, that yeah, exactly. Like, it was about the journey, not the destination. Exactly. Uh, unless there's something else about this movie that I somehow haven't mentioned, what is the, do the Muppet movies, what does this contribute, this franchise, to cinema? What's the legacy of, of oh, Muppets on film? Oh, legacy of Muppets on film. Good God. Other than like shaping my childhood and my life, the collective affection and like lasting impression they have specifically on like our generation and hopefully on future generations. Um yeah, I think it's just, I like the community of it. I like that, you know, especially like, you know, prior when there was the Sesame Street tie-in, like, you know, who didn't grow up watching Sesame Street? Like, kids still grow up watching Sesame Street, and I love that. Um, and even though mm -hmm. there's like a bit of a division there now, I think that they still have a similar spirit, and they're also like puppet and human interaction-based. Um so yeah, yeah, I think that like, I, as far as like having an impact on cinema, like I don't think anyone can argue that like, this is making major waves, but like it did this one an Oscar, like it is having an involvement in current cinema, yeah. even though it might not be something that's like going to cause a trend going forward or anything. I just hope that it sustains. Yeah, I, I think it 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 contributed to the sort of snowball mm -hmm. effect of the legacy sequel thing. I think that helped. Like, I think especially Disney was like, Oh, we could just, <laughs> we can just sort of quasi remake a, an old movie in a franchise with new characters entering that world. That's definitely an approach that has, I think we've seen over and over to varying degrees of success since this movie. And I'm not going to say that it invented it, but it, it probably helped popularize it that they, they brought the Muppets back to that, that level of acclaim where they did win an Oscar at last, even though I agree with you, like it's been frustrating as a Muppet fan since then. Like, as, as you said, I enjoyed Muppets most wanted, but then it did well in theaters, yeah. but not well enough, I guess. And so we got the show on ABC for one season. We got, uh, <laughs> what did we get? We got the web series uh, like a couple of years ago, Muppets Now, which is, eh, it's fine. We've got Muppets Haunted Mansion, which a lot of people, myself included, feel like is a step in the right direction, at least. It's like they're getting closer. What are your hopes for the Muppet brand going forward? Do you think they should try another movie? Do you think a show? Do you think maybe more specials like Haunted Mansion? Because I think they right now they have a Muppet, I think it's called Muppets Mayhem, which is centered more on the electric mayhem, which, you know, Gonzo kind of took center stage in Haunted Mansion and way back in the day on Muppets from Space, maybe shifting the focus to some of the other 
uh, non Kermit piggy characters. Yeah, is, yeah. Is a I good mean, idea. I think I just want more Muppets. Like, I would love to see additional films along these same lines and possibly with the same director because, like, definitely, it it's great. Like, I really enjoyed it, and you know, they did make some money. I would like to think so. Um, yeah, and like, yeah, you know, if Brett McKenzie stays on or if he passes the baton on, like, all that sort of stuff. I love their holiday specials because I'm a huge Christmas nerd too. So, like. Any of that stuff would be great. And then, like, going back, like, way... They kind of, like, touched on this a little bit, but, like, they used to do, like, The Frog Prince and, like, Cinderella. And, like, they would do kind of adaptations like that as weird one-offs. If they could get back to that, I think that would... It doesn't... I mean, I would love to see it theatrically, but I understand not crowding Disney's lineup with that sort of stuff. But that sort of stuff is just fun. Like... Those are interesting interpretations of it. It's a good time to have like humans like doing, you know, really dry humor if they feel like it. Like, I think that there is an opportunity for that sort of thing. And like, we don't like, I remember like we grew up with that sort of stuff and like Shelley Duvall and whatnot. And it's like, do kids not have like that like constant flow of fairy tale like sort of propaganda that is really great like that would be awesome if there was some sort of way for an outlet for that and it seems like the Muppets would be able to do that so yeah 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 especially since in a way I feel like that them being owned by Disney only helps that you know on a a previous episode my my guest and I were like that's what they should be doing with all their old Disney movies if they're going to remake them make a Muppet version of all these movies instead of remaking the same, like Aladdin, but with people. Lion King, but with photorealistic animals. Like, who wants that? Obviously, Disney, because they're making billions of dollars. But, like, creatively, there's no juice to that. You're just rehashing the same thing blatantly. Like, you have characters that you can throw in Deadpool style in a different story. Like, yeah. just do that. Uh, I don't understand why you can't do Muppet Snow White instead of remaking Snow White, but live action or whatever. Like there's, there's, there's an opportunity there for them to do, or, you know, all the properties that Disney owns, like if it helps kind of refresh the the characters and bring them, make them relevant, give me, you know, give me Muppet Avengers or whatever you want to do. Like, just do it. Like, Make it 30 minutes. It'll get people, younger people who are, you know, didn't grow up with these movies, maybe back into the franchise and kind of reintroduce that to a new generation. Like, I don't understand why this is so hard <laughs> for them to figure out. Like, it's not, it's not that big a deal. It's like these characters work. Just let these performers do their thing. And I don't know. It feels like, uh, it feels like a license to print money that Disney's just like, nah, we're, 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 we you know, we got, Disney and um, we got uh, Marvel and Star Wars and it's, they're putting so much energy on those. And I enjoy those properties too, but it's also like, you know, the Muppets are the Muppets and it feels weird to have that sort of hole yeah, in, in no, the I pop t- cultural landscape. If they did like, I don't know, like all of those adaptations, but with Muppets instead of the live action ones. And also yeah. like, I don't know, one of my favorite bar games that my friends and I have played many times where it's like, okay, take like a classic movie or any movie and like, either put a Muppet in as one of the characters or make it all Muppet and then one of them is human. Like, I I do that. That's really (laughs) fun. So it's like, you know, Casablanca, of course, with Piggy and Kermit or because we've definitely seen that before. But then like, you can get super silly with that. And like, I see people tweet about that sort of stuff all the time and those get big lights. Like, there's like an appetite for that sort of integration of the Muppets back into our pop culture. So, like, come on. It's because there's, there's, 30 years of people who grew up with Muppet Christmas Carol, which is essentially that. Like, it's basically Muppets, but Michael Caine, <laughs> you know, as Scrooge. And then, like, yeah, I, 
anything they want to basically more Muppet content at this point. But if they want to try something different, like I said, Muppets Mayhem, I think that's that has promise because it's not trying to do the same thing again. They tried in the 90s with Muppets Tonight to essentially relaunch the Muppet show. And that didn't really work, at least at that point. So, I, you know, I, I appreciate that they're trying things. I just want them to try more and uh, have some of them stick a little more than they have. So we'll see. But uh, before we before we sign out, I have to ask you for your Muppet movie ranking. Uh, this the eight theatrical Muppet movies, which I can recap for you if you're unclear which which are included in that list. I know it's it's hard sometimes to parse, parse out yeah. the specials and the TV the movies so and all that I'm stuff. In good shape. Do you want like do you want me to okay, like, cool. count it down or start with number one? This is like okay. You can count it down. Okay, okay. You can go this eight to one. Totally sure. off the cuff, and I will disagree with this tomorrow. However, like, um, so I think like <laughs> eight is going to be Muppet Treasure Island, and that's more of a ranking due to my absolute love for all the rest of them, um, rather than me thinking that it's crappy. Right. So Muppet Treasure Island, I think, is bottom of the barrel for me. Then, then Muppets from Space, which again, I've said like 20 times how much I adore it. So I'm totally right there with you. I both feel like Muppets from Space is a lesser Muppet movie, but I've also seen it a lot <laughs> over the years. In the late 90s, early 2000s, it was the closest yeah. we had to a huge Muppet movie. It was the, the most recent one at that point. Like I said, Gonzo. Oh, I can always do with more Gonzo. And having him be, again, it's that it's they took a chance on a, uh, a story where it's not Piggy and, and Kermit at the center. And I think they they need they need to do a little more of that. They have this huge repertoire of characters. Like, take yeah. advantage of that. So no, I'm totally with you. And okay, cool. And oh my god, uh, you were saying that. that. I was just like, I want more Sweetums, but I'm like, what if they had a movie that showed what happens after Sweetums <laughs> was left at the car used car store, the Mad Moonies or whatever? Cool, oh, so good. Okay, so nice. Treasure Island, Muppets from Space. I'm just like so torn on all of this. Okay, so then I'm going to say Muppet Christmas Carol, even though mm -hmm. I do adore it. Um, then, let's see, great, great Muppet Caper. Then probably the Muppets. Then Muppets Most Wanted. Then Muppets Take Manhattan. And number one is Muppet Movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, right? it's got to be, right? It's, uh, it, it, in my mind, it's untouchable. Like, I, I know everybody... You know, everyone grew up with their own version of Muppets. So some people have, you know, the more recent ones higher up or whatever. But yeah, it's for me, that's the gold standard uh, of the Muppet. Anything Muppet related is for me is that original movie. And I've I've rewatched it, obviously, to record the podcast episode of this. And then I think watched it the next week because I was just like hanging out, doing something on my computer. I was like, ah, I can, I can yeah. kind of use another dose of Muppet movie. Um and it's one of those things that's that it's like the older I get, mm -hmm. the more I appreciate it in a way because of everything that it has to say because of, uh, because of it, it works as sort of a, a meta, like an allegory for Jim Henson and the, the rise of his, you know, these characters and all that, like his career sort of, you know, Aww. life's like a movie, write your own ending, all of that. So yeah, totally a hundred percent agree with that. So, uh, yeah, that's, it's interesting to to do these rankings every episode because everybody has their own. Some people agree with us and put Muppet movie up there. And then others are, you know, they have their, their own, everybody's got their own flavor of Muppet. I think that's part of what makes this franchise so much fun, but, but yeah, so that that's pretty much everything I have on the Muppets 2011. <laughs> it's definitely one people that should revisit, especially mm -hmm. since it's been over a decade since the Muppets were this level of 
of back, I guess. Uh, and, and I think we need to get them back to that place. But thank you so much, Dee for coming on to talk about the Muppets 2011. Tell people where they thank can you, find you on social so media. Um, best way to find me on social media is on Twitter. So my handle, I don't know, what do we call it handles? Um, <laughs> my name there is at Dee Krim. So it's at D-E-D-E-C-R-I-M. Well, this was so much fun. We'll definitely have you back uh, on this or yeah. or our sister show, Close Watch, uh, sometime soon. But yeah, I'm glad we were able to make this happen and uh, and geek out about Muppets for times in a while. Big thanks to film critic Dee Dee Crimmins for coming on to discuss 2011's The Muppets. This was obviously a big entry point for a lot of, uh, well, was it? <laughs> was this? Uh, did this movie make anyone a fan? This is something I want to know. What do you think? Weigh in. Let me know. At Crooked Table on Twitter, same handle on Instagram, and uh, Robert at CrookedTable.com on email. I, I think that's that was what I think happened with this film. As we discussed, lots to love about it for classic Muppet fans, longtime Muppet fans like myself and most of our guests. But did any new fans come onto the Muppet train with this movie? That's what I'd like to know. So we'll get into that a little further, I'm sure, in our next episode. But for now... That's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. I'll catch you at the next stop. We'll be talking 2014's Muppets Most Wanted and closing out this mega series. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. Z-R-O-K-E-D. <laughs> 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 <laughs>